This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey everyone, we're going to be revisiting another episode this week. And this particular episode is focused on pairing beer with wild game. I know it's a great topic. Uh, I've written a couple articles over this over the past few years, uh, one which spawned this conversation. The second uh, was up on the Meat Eater website and uh, was an even further deep dive that I worked on uh, with one of my friends named John Brody. And uh, that's a pretty comprehensive guide, while the one I wrote on Harvesting Nature is definitely a uh, overview. But this was a fun episode which dives deep into uh, the, the pairing process and we talk about everything from alligator to moose to dove to quail to all these different things to really give you an awesome perspective on different types of meat and different types of beer and how you can match them together for both drinking and cooking. So enjoy! Join Justin Townsend and the Harvesting Nature crew as they explore the world of cooking wild fish and game while sharing recipes, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from their pursuit of wild food. We sure hope you ate before the show, because you're going to leave hungry. This is the Wild Fish and Game Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Harvesting Nature's Wild Fish and Game Podcast. Uh, got a little crew chat today. I am feeling thirsty, which means it's time to talk about beer. So nice, yeah. Is everybody uh, equipped? Oh, except for poor Will. Oh no. Yeah, a little dry up here in Virginia right now. <laughs> That's okay. Soon we'll end. Um. So here last week we put out an article on Harvest to Nature. Uh kind of detailing i did some some sipping some eating and some research and came up with uh with a a good i think comprehensive fairly comprehensive list of of beers i went from like light to dark usually like three beers per meat type or animal type yeah you went deep man i i know i i can't do anything halfway (laughs) <laughs> so I tell my daughter that I'm like, if you're going to do it, do it all the way. We don't do things halfway. And that includes writing articles about beer, which is Excellent. very important. So, um, you know, I, I, it, the thought came to me, Dan and I conversed about it several times with the, I just couldn't get it out of my head. Um, and so the more I thought about it, the more I was like, look, you know, it's something cool. And, you know, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not a bougie beer drinker, but I do like good beer. Oh, yeah. But I also, also like really cheap beer. Like, you know, I, I drink Coors, Coors Original <laughs> yeah. pretty regularly. Paps Blue Ribbon finds its they way. Got, 
that's what we call working beers. Um, yeah. They're functional. They serve a purpose. Yeah. I mean, well, right I mean, now. What's the first thing we grab when we get off the mountain or after we finish butchering, you know, sitting around the campfire, you, you grab a nice beer. It's yeah. part of the culture. Yeah. And I think it's fair. And, you know, I, I carry Coors in the cooler uh, tonight. I'm drinking Miller High Life. I mean, it's fine, but it, if I want to enjoy something, I'm going to lean more towards the craft side. And I, I think that's something I've, I've been excited to see explode over the last decade. You oh, know, yeah. I lived in California before in San Diego and it's like one of the hot spots for craft beer in the U S and like you could go, you know, at one Each time block had its own micro. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I think there was over a hundred microbreweries, yep. you know, just before I left and it's pretty crazy. But if you get out there and you plug around on the internet, something you will not find is a good list on what pairs well with wild game. And, uh, I think, Part of that may be just the fact that maybe people that enjoy wild game don't always take the time to write down what beers they enjoy with it. Or yeah, I, don't I know. think it's it's, it's it's a uh, it's one of those barrier to entry things, right? So you can't go to the store and get wild game. So there's a subsection of society that really enjoys wild game, and mm-hmm. more times than not, inherently we also like craft beer. Yep. But pairing the two, it's a it's a match made in heaven. I know for me personally, um, kind of w- when we were talking about it and I was thinking about it, it's definitely seasonal for me too, because certain beers come out at certain times of the yeah. year. So when you're hunting, depending on what that season is, if you have a good microbrew near you, or even you know one of the godfathers of it here in Nevada, they have seasonal beers that come out. And if they make a bad one, I don't know because I haven't had one yet. But each one that comes out for me means another another season, another move towards either hunting or a prime time of hunting. So I do oh, yeah. want to, and especially like beers become nostalgic too. Like whenever I go to Wyoming and hunt, there's certain brands of beer that I just you know I have to drink with that mule deer hunt, and it and it just adds to that full experience. Yep. I yep. I'm also I want to point out because. It, I already saw some comments and some, you know, some and all those different things. But this is a general guide. I'm not telling you what to drink. I'm not saying you're drinking the wrong beer. Nope. You know, and I know that, you know, whitetail deer from Central Florida and whitetail deer from Nebraska and whitetail deer from Massachusetts all taste different. Their diets are different. Their environments are different. It's different. So in the end, I'm going to say this. And I'll say it at the end of the show, drink what you like, what tastes good to you. But for me, this is a good starting point for those people who are curious and want to try different types of beer. Remember, always pair wild game and beer responsibly. Always. (laughs) And don't drink and drive. No. Or hunt. Or hunt. Don't drink and hunt. Very true. So, um... I just wanted to put that full disclosure out there because um, I think it's important. You know, there, there's definitely groups of people out there and I'm, I'm sure this exists in the world that um, they may want to try different beers, but they're like, where do I go? And I, I've yeah. walked into the beer store or that liquor store or the grocery store with the beer section. And you're like, it takes me a good some days, like 10, 15 minutes to figure out what beer I want to get. If yeah. I want to get something swanky. So, you're just giving, you know, the listener or the reader a great jumping off point on, you know, here's a family of beer that works well, you know, to kind of cut that 10 minutes in the beer aisle down to probably about two, you know, yeah. give them a starting off point. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, you know, there's different, there's different flavors and subsections and sub specialties within each one of those beers and different breweries yeah. make them different ways. It's like, there's, there's no right or wrong way. And I mean, I, hell I could recommend a beer type and you're like, well, that didn't work. And yeah. And I think another big part of it too, is people love to know, and it's, it's society's problem, right? Everybody wants to know what's the best. What is the absolute best? So people put a fictitious amount of pressure and, you know, fame upon a beer a lot of times just because it's hard to get. So because something's rare, they think it's automatically good, but there are so many good micro brews out there right now. So many good IPAs. If you're into IPAs, stouts, everybody's doing something with it. It's no longer, you know, just Budweiser or, you know, the three big Miller Coors and Budweiser. There's a, there's a world of flavors out there just like wild game. So 
definitely mm-hmm. experiment. See what you like. And, you know, and I, that's reflected in the list, too, because I didn't choose one. I didn't choose two. Right. I chose three, and I gave a darkness scale because some people like dark beer, some people like light beer, some people don't, but it's like, you know, and in the end, too, it, you know, it's it's my opinion uh, based off research that I did and tasting and eating and, you know, my experience with wild games. So it's like it's not 100% foolproof, but I don't want to don't want to spend too much time defending my list here. I would rather talk about it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Let's get into it. But one more thing. So consideration. Um, I would say think about how you're preparing the meat. So are you cooking it low and slow? Are you cooking it high and fast? Are you cooking it quick? You know, sometimes just that preparation method uh, is going to create flavors and impart flavors onto it that are going to complement with different types of beers. For instance, a good example, things go on the grill tend to go with like fresh, hoppy, fruity ales. So IPA, something crisp, all those things just because it's – the the caramelization that's created um, through grilling just goes well with the flavors of those beers. Yeah, they cut through it nicely. Mm-hmm. And just like fresh ingredients and, and fresh meat, if you have a nice brewery near you, a local brewery, drink local IPAs and drink them fresh. There is a whole subculture to that ages stuff, but if you want to get the real flavor of the beer, you want to drink it fresh. Um. I will say this as well as my last consideration point is that don't just think about the, the meat alone. Think about the other dishes or the other ingredients in your dish, because you want to make sure that those pair well with the beer also. Yep. Um, and don't choose a beer that will overpower your meal. So something too strong with alcohol, something too heavy of flavor. You don't want to pair a really, really light meat with a really, really dark, heavy beer because you'll just you'll lose it. I mean, you can eat it and you can enjoy and all that, but if you take a bite of food and you take a sip of beer, you're just going to taste the beer and you're not going to taste it. Drowned it out. Yeah. yeah. So let's start with the list. So, at the top of the list, A is for alligator. Gator. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, for alligator, so kind of from light to dark, um, I went with a India Pale Ale first um, with a lager, and then with a brown ale is, is my darker. So, I didn't lean too, too dark in that spectrum. And just to think in, because gator is... I think it's a very unique meat, but commonly I think of, if you think about gator, you think about like fried gator tails, usually the first thing that comes into mind. Right, jelly roll. Yeah. So granted, you hopefully, fingers crossed, you're going to see, actually not hopefully, you'll see some some alligator recipes this fall uh, on our page, but, um, and you'll see some beer pairings with those. Why not? And it won't be just fried alligator tail. So, uh, I that's why you see those other other couple beers listed there, just because I wanted to give some variation and some difference in them. Um, because so pale ales, Indian pale ales are always good because they're good for spicy foods and and they're very crisp and the you know like Dan said they cut through they cut through a lot of of either grilling or frying and they match well with that crisp, especially if you get fruity flavors in there too. I think will mix well with the alligator. Yeah, I'm very partial to West Coast IPAs with all the floral and citra hops. Yeah. You know, malt, malt way down low. I'm anti-malt to my core when it comes to IPAs. Um, but New England styles are, obviously I'm a little biased, but they're great too if they're fresh. Um, so yeah, definitely. And the gator is fried too. That fresh crisp helps to cut through some of that grease too. You oh, know, yeah. and it really brings out the flavor of the meat, which is what I like and, you know, when I think of frying stuff, I think of, you know, summertime, sitting out back, having something nice and crisp with that gator. So I'm definitely more of a fan on kind of the lighter, crisper, hoppier side of the list there. And and I, I picture too, like you have like alligator, if you're going to make like alligator sausage or something like that, you're going to be um, grilling it or, you know, pan, I wouldn't say pan frying it, but, um, you know, roasting or something. I mean, a grill. If you're going to do a sausage, I would do a grill. But 
that's where you see like the logger come in too. And I'm not talking about like a dark logger. I'm talking about like a, a pretty light logger. Yeah, almost traditional. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh I think the blonde ale kind of being the darkest out of those, even though it's kind of a light set, um would would be kind of really interesting. I don't even know if it'd be the darkest, but No. No, I mean it all depends too if it's a wheat blonde or what kind of blonde it is. And and I picture that going really well because it's just going to be and that wouldn't be so much so of like fried foods that'd be like if you're going to saute it or you know yeah. you're putting it with a, a light sauce or something I think it would complement it really well. I feel like we're going to use the word compliment a lot in this episode, which I think is okay. It does compliment nicely, yeah. Compliment and pair most used words of this episode but um all right next up in the a's is antelope so uh many people know antelope is at the top of my list for one of my favorite game meets of all times and uh i just i I think so i look at because antelope are typically harvested and eat a lot of sage so everybody you hear people complain about it i don't really believe as much in it but there are some sagey undertones in it and i think it pairs really well with uh things that are cooked citrusy Mm. so um to me that really stands out and that automatically makes me and you see the number one on the list is uh is hefenweizen and i think that's just a, a really good something that that i could take and i could put I could pair with uh, I could pair with citrus things really good. And yeah. I think it would comp. It's not dark enough that it's going to overpower the meat. Um, I think it, it it carries well to like fruit notes and all that other stuff. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hefeweizen. It's definitely light enough that it really picks up any of the notes that it's brewed with. So like a grapefruit or any kind of fruity flavors really attach that lighter beer and then when you pair it with antelope you know which has some sagey undertones you can really get a great pairing that complements the meat <laughs> i like how you double tap that one pairing compliments <laughs> pairing <laughs> and compliments <laughs> it's a compound compliment and then i i, I look at the i lost my note i look at the pale ale um is pale ale being something that that pairs well with sage yeah there you go like I, I think that Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, like, dude, that's like a classic. Yeah, no, that's um, a go-to, especially if you're if you're lost and found in the beer aisle and you don't know what's going on with a lot of different flavors, or maybe it's only got some of the mainstream ones there, and you know you're going to be good with Sierra Nevada. It's kind of like seeing Guinness. Yep. I also so like to talk- throw a, a hazy in there sometimes. You know, that's a little yeah, uh, little hazy IPA. You know, not yeah. on on the heavy side, but a little more citrusy, a fruitier on the IPA sides. Yeah. While while we're on the subject of Sierra Nevada, I will branch off for a second and say what we were talking about earlier with the seasons. So each year they have a beer that comes out. It's called celebration ale. And when you see that stuff, you know, the rut is on that comes out like November 15th <laughs> every year. It'll be in the cooler and you're like, okay, big deer's dying. Deer. Going <laughs> out now. That is, if there's one deer killing beer in the world, it is celebration ale by Sierra Nevada. Huh. I love it. Yeah, I like that beer. That's Always good, comes uh, out prime rut. It's funny. Um, so moving moving forward in our list here, I was just thinking about um, bear. So bear, I like bear meat a lot, and I've only been fortunate enough to have it a couple occasions. But, um. And I'll, I'll I'll preface this with a, with I talked and bounced these ideas off some people who eat bear meat a lot. So, um, and this one is I think the only one on the list where I put four in there, just because I, I wanted a wider range of bear because I think there's also a wide range of flavor in bear too. But oh yeah, first off I think is something like an IPA, super grassy, super hoppy. Um, and now would, would that be for a stew preparation or a burger preparation? You thinking? Well, I, I would think burger. Yeah, like, it, I would agree. So for me, like with the stews and we're going to dive into this a little more later, but I, I always lean stews and stuff. I'm going to lean towards the darker <laughs> side. 
Yeah. Um, and so that's where you'll see like the brown ale and the stout. Like I would think if you're going to do something where you're going to slow even if or- slow bear hams, or you're going to yep. do, you know, uh, a braise or a slow smoke on it or a slow stew. Like I would lean towards the stouts and, and the brown nails. If you didn't like the, the super dark beer. Yeah. And you're going to hear a recurring theme, everybody with bear meat, which is long cooking times and well done dishes. Just because inherently what goes along with bear meat is the risk of trichinosis. So the recipes are going to be low and slow is going to, is going to ensure safety and flavor and break down that, that meat. Yep. Well, here's a, here's a little story. I was, uh, I was up hunting in Sitka, Alaska. It was the blacktail season, but I was up there with a buddy who lives there and he's, I mean, he's up in the thirties and forties of killing brown bears and he goes out every year. He's a native. Um, but his favorite beer in the world to drink with bear was Bud Light Orange. Okay. I'm not trying to get away from the bear hunter, but. (laughs) So I was, I was really, really skeptical, super skeptical. I'm like, okay, you're from Alaska. You're automatically just a little weird, you know, need a little more sunlight, but (laughs) I tried it and I'll say it wasn't bad at all. Um, And part of the reason he drank it was he would drink as he cooked. So he needed a lighter beer to take the place of all the time. So he wouldn't get, you know, too inebriated, but he would just drink it while he that cooked. That comes back and to the previous term of working beer. Low exactly. And, yeah, keep you hydrated, low in, low in alcohol, yep. And I'll say that that orange, it didn't pair too badly with a bear steak. Hmm. I'm still stuck in the Bud Light Orange thing, but I believe you. So are they- <laughs> Man, I have so many questions, but that, that's not very <laughs> gourmet of me. I know. <laughs> no, yeah, that's what we're uh, no no pretension here. We're not pretentious in this episode, and no. it's like snow hipsters. We're we're good. Yep. Whatever works, whatever tastes good. Like I said, drink what you want to drink. I'm not going to shame it till. No. Uh, I'm not going to shame it, but I I want to try it. I'd yeah, we had just got to go to Alaska and shoot a bear, man. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> it's on the list. <laughs> so let's uh let's progress forward here. So we got elk up next. So um thinking about elk. I I think it's one of those two, and you're gonna see a recurring theme of like the the longer, hardier dishes or smokier dishes. I would recommend the darker side of things. And then you know, if you're doing something lighter, quicker, uh fried, grilled sauteed like i i would i would think lighter so but you'll see this one i kind of i i lean towards the darker side especially with a dark lager because i think dark lagers have some cool flavors especially for barbecue stuff um because they're not like it's not as much like a porter or a stout where you have a lot of heavy flavors you can still enjoy like a good barbecue sauce you can you can still taste those smoky flavors pretty prevalent where i think sometimes a stout um will especially if it's a smoky stout or a porter will overpower those yeah so you think in like uh newcastle or you think in like killians i wouldn't say killians i would lean more towards newcastle just because you got like the brown the brown ale and then yep. a dark lager in there so yeah cool. for sure i mean my favorite elk dish is elk pot pie you know hearty with that flaky crust and it goes oh, super yeah. well with you know those British brown ales like Boddington's or, you know, your Newcastle's or I, I just think of that like nut brown beer. I don't know why, but that's just immediately what comes to my mind when I think elk. Yeah, it mixes so well. I like pot pies and, and those, the brown ales and stuff. It's just, you know, another, another good one, uh, Smithics. Yeah. It's, it's a good, a good that brown ale. Sense, yeah. yeah. Harpoon. Yep. Um, so let's talk about birds for a little bit. Dove and quail. I think for those, I would stick a little lighter. Yeah, agreed. So Especially I, if you're going for long cook times with those as well, um, it, it tends to be a you know a more delicate meat too. Well, too think about think about most common like what you're going to be cooking and when when you're going to be cooking dove and quail. Fall, fall or early fall, early. late yeah. summer. So it's yep. going to be hot still. So like. That was one of the reasons I was like Pilsner. Like, there's nothing I like better on a hot day than a cold, light beer. It's like it's better than water, but yeah, Rolling Rock, Stony Pony, 
old number 33. Mm-hmm. Definitely some working man's beers in there. And I love it because you're in a field hunting dove all day. You're tired. The dog's tired. You come back, you pop open the cooler at the truck. You sit on the tailgate. You let the dog have some water and you just, you crack into one of those. For me, it's Miller Lite or Lone Star. I'm going to throw that out because I'm in Texas. And, Lone Star. Uh, oh, nothing tastes better. It's true. Um, what's the other one down there? Um, Shinerbach. Oh, yep. Now, Shinerbach pairs real well with a lot of things, but I would I go more real light beers. Honestly. I go with the Texas beers. You got me on the Texas thing. I'd go with the <laughs> Shiner Shiner Blonde. Blonde's mm. good. Yep. Yep. Or if you want to get crazy, go Prickly Pear. Ooh. I think that'd go good. That'd go good with quail. Oh, yeah. You know, as you're picking cactus out of your boot, you can have some prickly pear beer. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of the thoughts on, on those first couple. But So then on the opposite side of the spectrum, looking at duck, I think because duck, too, is a darker meat. So it makes me – I have a big spectrum here, and I tell you why, because I think duck is such a versatile meat. You can it's do the, anything. You can do just about anything with it. Very serendipitous. So I just got done – about doing four hours of yard work and what I have in the grill the entire time, an entire duck that I butchered last weekend. Ooh. Slow roasted and it was paired with an IPA. Nice. See, it's perfect. Nice. But I also go and- real dark with my beers with duck. For some reason, I think of like shredded duck over rice or gumbo, you know, real deep South Louisiana. Mm-hmm. But I always think of a Guinness because, you know, it's a full body beer, but it's not going to overpower you with those stout notes. And it's not going to fill you up because typically duck is real hearty. So I want a beer that's not going to make me feel super full. So I usually just go straight for the Guinness when we're talking about, you know, ducks. Yeah, I did this one super fresh and left kidneys in it. Still had lung and liver and heart and all that good stuff and just slow cooked it. I actually plucked it for once. I don't usually pluck my entire duck. I usually go the, the cheap way and just pluck the breast. But I did the entire bird this time and just got a good char on it and then wrapped it in tinfoil. Um put a slow low and slow on it the entire time doing yard work and yeah it's freaking good so let me let me pitch this one around because this is a very specific beer but i think it it's something that would be really cool to mix with duck and just because uh a lot of it uh they're very heavy fruit based so i think it's a, a cool combination to pair with whatever other ingredients because first off i think duck handles fruit pairings really well oh yeah uh one of my favorite fruit pairings for duck is pumpkin mine is orange but yeah yeah. so actually i had a whole sweet potato inside the cavity of this one tonight Ooh, that's cool so let's think about lambic you guys had lambics before? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so, the uh, last one out of the Sam Adams multi-pack that stays in the back of the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they're, I think they're pretty, um, they're pretty unique beers, uh, I would say. Yeah. I'd put them in the world of like sours and stuff, too. They're very distinct yeah. in what they taste like. So I, I think a, a proper choice of, of whatever else you're cooking with your duck could lead you down the road to be like, man, let's try this lambic with it. This should be yeah. good. So that's definitely one of those instances where I would say whatever else you're cooking with it would be a good a good look. Um, and then our other flying animal, geese. So looking at geese, I chose red ale. Uh, a double, a double, double. I don't know how you say it, but double <laughs> and a stout. Yeah. And once again, that kind of it, it's still like medium to dark. I think for that, just because I think that in this case, goose could overpower a lighter beer. And I won't say that often where you're going to be in a situation where your meat's going to overpower the beer. But if you put anything, I think, lighter than a red ale or something, sure. you may yep. you may end up super overpowered. But granted, um, you know, I've been I've been wrong on occasion before, but not I like very many. throwing in like a like a dunkel, throwing a dunkel yeah. or maybe like a, a black lager. So it's not real heavy like an oatmeal stout, but it's you know, it's got that flavor in there where it's not going to be 
we missed know, out on ground out in the duck. So <laughs> I, I think that's what stands out to me following along in that mindset with like the dunkles, because I do like the dunkles a lot. Um, but I like the doubles, especially like the Abbey doubles, because they've got that kind of yeasty, bready, like yeah. warm feeling. Like I'm sitting by the fireplace, eating roasted goose and sipping this beer out of a mug, yeah. you know, like, yeah. <laughs> I like it. That's, that's where my mind's at with that. And then a stout, you can't go wrong with a good stout. Yeah. Paired with a chocolate chip cookie for dessert. Slightly. Yeah. Burnt. Oh, for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. So let's look. Um, let's look at moose. So, and here's your. I introduced your dunkel into this one, um, but I, I think moose is is very versatile uh, as oh, yeah. well. It's one of those meats that you can pair pretty, pretty much with everything. But I wanted to throw a strong ale in there because I thought that the moose meat could handle pairing with such a strong like alcohol flavor, and they sure. would be okay. Yeah, that oh, is that's exactly what me. I was thinking. Yeah, that is that is you can't get that anywhere except for from the field. So that is one of those meats that you have. It's very distinct. Um, lends well to aging very long. You talk about freezer aging and stuff. That is some. Sometimes that stuff can be tougher than nails, but it's so one of my good. Favorite things to throw in with that is uh, Ballast Point. They make you know Victory at Sea, which is their heavy porter. But they made a deal with High West Whiskey a while back. So they actually aged the beer in the High West Whiskey barrels. So it's a really strong – because I think moose can handle a really strong alcohol or high ABV in the in the beer. So you've got that, like, whiskey on the front end, the heaviness of the porter, that complex flavor. And I think that lends itself really well to, like, the heaviness and the real distinct flavor of moose. I haven't had that one. Sounds good. Yeah, it's a good – it's a super good beer. It's a game changer. Uh, yeah, the only thing I, I, I see it happens. So you just mentioned the uh, the alcohol content level, right? So the other thing you, people are going to see is the IBU, international bitter units. So the higher the bitter units, the stronger and the more bitter the hop flavor. But what there seems to be this this ratio that happens where as the alcohol goes up and the bitter unit goes up, they try to counteract it with malt, and that I think kills it. And a lot of them, when they're fresh, like you're saying, that beer, I'm sure if it's if it's on the fresher side, it, it retains all those. But when those age, I, sometimes they do turn into malt bombs, I find out. I had the Ballast Point, um, I think it's called the Fathom, mm-hmm. on tap down yep. in Southern California a couple of years ago. And it was like, oh, my God. I had it right at their brewery. I was on the beach. I was eating shrimp. It was awesome. I came home like two months later. I had it here. Not the same beer. <laughs> it was completely Man, their, their beer. Dude, that's how I feel about Yingling. Yeah, that's totally Ooh. how I feel about Yingling. Like amazing in the Northeast. Like that's what I'm going to get everywhere I go. Anywhere kind of outside the Northeast, I'm like, eh, I'll take something else. Yeah, PA's got some got some interesting lineage when it comes to all kinds of things like that. I mean, I remember a lot of times in Philly because PA is like another country at some point. You'd go there. And it'd be five dollars for Budweiser, like twelve ounce, and two fifty for a twenty-four ounce Yingling. You're like, what? Yeah, I'll take the Yingling. And <laughs> yeah, they still two. had smoking in bars. And last call, you would tell the bartender what you wanted to go, and you get it in a nice little black bag. That's the only state I knew of that would give to go alcohol on last call. <laughs> oh man, you should come down to Key West. Yeah, yeah right. same thing. Last call? Question mark. What is that? <laughs> no open container laws. Okay. I did do that in the Keys a long time ago. I walked from backyard to backyard, getting barbecue and red solos filled up. That was a good oh, time. Nice. Oh yeah. Um. What was I gonna say? Oh, I was talking about hops. I used to grow hops. Really? Yeah. So I uh, I purchased three, no, six hop plants from. Can't remember the name of the company, but it's like in Central Florida. Uh, essentially, there's been a big debate and a lot of research about it. And back when I was I was heavy into farming, we were looking at, at trying to grow hops right. more you prevalent. Did, yeah, you did that farm store. I remember that. Yeah. So um, the we were actually southernmost grower of hops. There you go. Cool. Um, 
I, I tested nice. it out. The, I, I learned some valuable lessons and placement and growing. And so I'm like, I'm right across the street from the water. And if we get a good, a good breeze and it carries the salt over the salt, just burnt torched the, the leaves oh. of the, the hops plants. Um, yeah. for whatever reason, it's just not, not a super salt tolerant plant. And, but it, they did, they did produce some, some cones and stuff, uh, which we ended up getting and just kind of like playing around with, but it would take a lot, but I think you could grow it here in Key West and it would be very interesting to, to see the flavors of the sea imparted yeah. on, on the hop plants. So, yeah, they grow like weeds around here and people do them. There's a lot of micro brews that yeah. do a lot of their own hopping and yeah, they take off. We'll see, and, and the difference being, so Florida, once they came out, the research, so University of Florida did a big research project on it, and basically they were like, the the standard thought was that you can't grow hops in Florida because it's too hot. Well, they actually found out the opposite. They found out that most places in the U.S. have like one to two um seasons to grow hops or cuttings of hops usually just one yeah in florida they get an additional one because the temperature doesn't drop super down down depending on what part of florida yep yep so you could cut and regrow essentially almost all year you could grow up till your you could grow till your vines are 30 feet you could cut them and then they're going to start growing pretty much automatically again just like my kale and Swiss chard. Yeah, there you go. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages. Things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, back to food talk. Uh, pheasants. So with pheasants, I, I threw this one in there because I thought pheasants being such a a, oh. a light a lighter meat in fall, and just looking at the uh, the cider on the really light side, because ciders are good, man. I and apple ciders. goes great with pheasant. Yep, yep. And then you got the pale ale kind of in the middle, and then you got the double because uh, it's that like hearty fall. You yeah. know, I mean, I'm enjoying this this meal and then moving on to rabbit rabbit arguably at the top of my list too some of my favorite and so this is like think cottontail though don't think like hair with a you know hair is darker meat like your jackrabbits and stuff when you're when you're looking at this list rabbit uh what's going to come across more is going to be like your lighter colored meat and that's where your saison, because I think the spices and the saison that you commonly see are going to go really well. Your red ale, and then there's your bock. Um, it's because I think it's dark enough, but it's not too dark because rabbit meat's still kind of light, and I think super super delicate. We have a oh, yeah. we have a recipe on uh, Harvesting Age that I did like way back in the beginning, where I took uh, essentially their cottontails and. Uh, Deboned several, ground them down into ground meat, and made chili out of it. And it's phenomenal. But with that, because you have the flavors of the chili, the flavors of the rabbit, I would go with the bock, man. It, it would. Be oh, awesome. yeah, that sounds good. I mean, especially we ate rabbit all the time. It's, yeah. you know, it's yep. easy to get. And, you know, living in Texas, Shinerbach, and you know my love for chili. So yep. I'm definitely going to need to pull that up and uh, do a little chefing of my own. Yeah, and rabbit shreds so nice. Mm-hmm. Any anything you can think of that you would use shredded meat for, you know, the, the the more standard chicken breast, if you will, or turkey, you can do the same thing with rabbit. That is the I the wilderness white meat, if you will. 
think a lot of people overlook rabbit and search for bigger game, but you know, small game hunting has to be some of the most fun hunting I've done. And it's just so accessible too. Yeah. And that's your training ground. That's your proving ground mm-hmm. as a kid. Everybody starts out in the woods. Well, not everybody, but if you start out, you know, growing up in a hunting and fishing family, it, the, the big day is when you get your first BB gun, right? So you're, you're running through the woods and you're going after squirrels and rabbits and that tracking and that being able to pull and follow an animal is going to serve you through every different other hunting style you're going to learn, whether it's rifle, shotgun, or bow. It just gets that eye-hand coordination, getting that, that picture it's foundational. in your head. Yeah. Yep. Oh, absolutely. And that's why people are, you know, especially as you get older hunters that want to get into it, the first thing people want to do is, I want to go deer hunting. I want to go, you know, backcountry hunting. It's like baby steps. Um, you got to get over the rush of getting your heart pounding and seeing a moving animal and just get your head around that. And that is going to graduate you to the level of going after big game. And, it, and it's it, a lot it, easier to process a rabbit than an elk. I'll just say yeah. that much. And it's, it's incremental. And once you have a good foundation of that, you build towards the larger game that and they're delicious and it's it's definitely a more if you think about you want high action right you're not going deer hunting depending on the state you're in if you're going to bring a new hunter out you're going to go squirrel hunting you're going to go rabbit hunting uh dove hunting is excellent it's one of the the most hunted game in america and you know high action you know why i like dove hunting so much is because growing up dove season was the first season to open yeah but like literally we would go from like football practice in high school to be like, Oh, football practice is over. And we'd go get in our trucks and we'd drive out to the dove field. Yep. Ours was always was uh pheasant. My dad growing up, we raised uh bird dogs, Brittany Spaniels. So we had a good history of like, that was one of our seasons too. Like we had many, many seasons through the year that was opening day, but pheasant was definitely one of them. We look forward to so much. Yeah. We would have the, the white wing, dove season open the weekend before actual dove season it was like a national holiday in central texas like everybody (laughs) took off work everybody was out in the field and you were just limiting out on white wings of course you couldn't shoot any morning doves yet but it was just it was the start of the season just such an iconic like memory just seared into my brain yeah they're so good yeah so good um so let's the other side of that too is like I was thinking about, um, and I think this is more where the red ale comes in, like fried rabbit. Like you're just eating rabbit off the bone, just pan fried flour, you know, buttermilk, even you know whatever. Sure. Like I think that red ale would pair super, super great with it. Oh yeah, yeah. I like doing them in the cast iron, then finish them in the oven. Yep, get that yeah. like extra crisp, and it kind of yeah. sets in with that good, like consistent heat of the oven, and then. uh so talk about also frying and then the other side from the ground of the tree, the squirrel squirrels. So oh, yeah. you see the Pilsner listed in there just because I think Pilsner would go great, especially fried IPA is going to bring out tons of flavors in the squirrel. Um, and then what I really, really like and probably what I would lean towards is the scotch ale. Yeah. Um, Cause the scotch ale, you're going to get some cool, unique flavors that the scotch ale is going to provide. And also I could see it, a glass of scotch ale sitting next to something like if you're doing like, uh, my mind just blanked, but, um, so like squirrel stew and scotch ale sounds so good right now. Yeah. Just a yeah. steaming bowl of squirrel stew. Oh, yeah. I, I was thinking about too, like chicken fried squirrel, with oh, like yeah. white gravy and scotch ale and like oh, sitting on the bottom. Oh, of the oh yeah. All that, up. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. I know. I know I mentioned it before too, but that's one of my favorite things is, and we already brought it up once already, but pot pies. I mean, you, <laughs> you take a bunch of root vegetables, whatever oh, yeah. you've got, cook it down in a cast iron and cover that thing with a pie crust and unfreaking believable. All right. So here's, here's one that's a little, um, it's a little out of my wheelhouse, so I kind of had to lean on some others for help. And Dan, you and I talked about it a little bit, but sheep and mountain goat. And so this one I listed brown ale, stout, and porter. Just because I think like 
at the time when people are harvesting mountain goat and sheep, like you're getting something that's like an aged animal. So there's like a lot of flavors going on there just from life. Yeah. uh, I think too, depending on all of those brown ale, stout and porter mix well with things that have fat. So you have on that spectrum of sheep and mountain goat, you have a lot of, you have either animals that are very, lean depending on their environment so if you're looking at like desert sheep and then you also have like some fattier more marbled meat from like some of the mountain goats and stuff yeah so, that is some of the only wild meat you'll find that might actually be marbled mm-hmm. so i think any of those would pair well um like i said that i bounced off some people i talked to i'd still go higher on the alcohol with that one yeah i think you'd want a strong for me personally anyways when I'm eating lamb or I'm eating um, sheep, I just something about that fat sticking in your mouth and that flavor staying with you and kind of moving around. You can dilute it and break it down with a higher um, alcohol beer. I feel. You know, I, I didn't like. To... Uh, sorry, okay. Justin. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. So I'm kind of with Justin on this. I don't have a ton of experience here. Really, my only experience with this is more like Audad or Barbary sheep in West Texas, and uh, right. you know, real sinewy, real muscular. And the strong flavors of a red ale just pair really well with that, uh, just for me and my experience. But, you know, I haven't done the, the big doll sheep or, you know, yeah, I, the mountain Yeah, I base goat. it off of the ones I raise. So I'll do a couple sheep a year here in my homestead, and I just lend those flavors to having just a very strong, getting that fat layers in there. I know it's different than wild, but mine pretty much live on wild. <laughs> I will say that the sheep's favorite meal – Hands down is poison ivy. Good you man. Would, you would throw I'm a give you some sheep. They, they would. You can throw like a. I'll go through the garden. I'll pick a bunch of the the off leaves or bug bitten romaine lettuce, kale, Swiss chard. You'd think they'd tear that stuff apart, right? Want nothing to do with it. Right for the poison ivy, the leaves, the oak tree that's leaning over. That's what they love. Growing up, we used to have a, a cattle would eat a lot of poison ivy. Yep. Which was good because I'm I'm pretty allergic to it. I don't know now as much as an adult, but I used to be pretty bad as a kid. Yeah, and uh, you could always tell like when we were in pastures that uh, we weren't grazing cattle on, like things would be more easily acquired poison ivy. But <laughs> not they a fun experience. It. Yeah, good for them. I'm happy for animals like that. But, but yeah, that, that fatty layer in there, I do like to break up with a higher alcohol beer, definitely. I can see. I didn't want to list it too much on here, but I could also see an IPA going with with sheep and mountain goat just because I think it could cut that fat really well, too. I even and, think um, like a barley wine, too, would yeah. go with that. Yeah, I could see that. So this is probably i uh, i'll say we're probably getting the most feedback on turkey because people are like diehard turkey connoisseurs both hunting and eating <laughs> <laughs> um but i went with wheat beer a lager and an oktoberfest okay so i went with wheat beer because and i got a little these this one i got a little more specific on uh i went with wheat beer because i think wheat beer is kind of first off you can enjoy a wheat beer any time of the year, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking like spring turkey, wheat beer, lager, spring turkey, you know, you can, turkey's definitely very versatile, smoked, sauteed, shredded, you know, whatever you're going to do with it. Like, I think those would go pretty well with it. And then on the opposite side, I think about Oktoberfest, which I, I would yeah. say, I really enjoy Oktoberfest beers a lot. Oh yeah. And I'm I'm really sad that you can't really get them all year round, but that's also <laughs> what makes them special. I was, I was gonna say, yeah. Yeah. I did so, a earlier this season I did the uh, a wild turkey stir fry with a bunch of wild edibles. Mm-hmm. We had garlic mustard in there and fiddleheads, um, chives, bunch of good stuff. And that was basically a big stir fry did of a brown rice. And I did pair that with that little hazy you were talking about. Yeah. Ooh, we'll throw. Hazy. So all these specific recipes we mentioned, as always, everybody knows, we'll, we'll throw the recipes in the show notes so you can click the links. But, um, yeah, 
I, I think we, man, I, I like this. This is fun talking about beer and wild game. Two passions. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well. <laughs> um. All right, and finally we get to the uh, probably the number one consumed wild game in all of North America, venison. Um. Oh, and yeah. this I went. I listed four on here as well because I definitely, this is one of those like, are you going to go high heat, quick cooking? Are you going to go low heat, slow cooking? Like stews, smoking it, grilling it, like whatever you're going to do. Like these are the four beers in the venison spectrum. I just, I believe that they could, depending on what you're preparing, like this is where, it's going to be. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, man. From the very light end, Pilsner, then moving it to IPA, then moving to the Belgian-style beer, then moving to the Bach, and then all the way up at the top of the Stout. Like, it it really is just going to depend what the on, cut, what the, yep. what the cook method. Yep. So, when I think the time of year and who you're serving it to and – you know, celebration and all that. Like, I think that, that, that there's a lot of variety you can go with with venison and beer. Yeah, well, I, venison I, in itself is is just such a unique meat. Depending on where you've had it, you know, like a black-tailed deer in Alaska is going to taste different than the muley in South Southern mm-hmm. California and the whitetail in Wisconsin. I think that's the beauty of it. And I like that you mentioned IPAs because IPAs tend to take on their local region's flavors. And so my favorite thing is to wherever I, you know, harvested the animal to pick up some local IPAs from there. And that's what I usually pair with. That's a good point. That's a good point. So, and then lastly, uh, out of the list here, and this is, of course, we could dive deeper and get into other game meats, but this is as comprehensive as list that, I put together, but wild pork. And I think people need to understand that wild pork tastes different than farm-raised pork. Like, Yeah, I think a mixture of deer and pork. Yep, yep. It's usually like a, it tends to be a little darker meat. And, um, you know, depending on what they're eating, and yeah, they eat everything. But um, I'd but, put that on the same, the same balance as bear. Definitely do a spot check on that fat. Do a spot check on that meat. Figure out yeah. what you're dealing with. Yeah. Taste, sure. t- give it, give it taste test before, uh, before you. Literally. But I, I went, I went kind of uh, full spectrum on this. Like Heffenweizen, I went with a, a darker lager, so you get like a dunkel, and then I went all the way over to the porter because if you're going to be like full on putting it on the Traeger and smoking it, if you're going to be, you know roast it in the oven if you're making hams out of it if you're curing it like whatever yeah. you're doing like i think there's a wild pork you can do a lot with but it's going to depend on the preparation method i'll throw one on this one i'll go with chicharrones and oh yeah pair that with you know any good light mexican beer that's a cate or you know dosakis a lot of lime get some tahine get all those mm-hmm. flavors that's working a- together that's exactly where I would go with it. I mean, we shot tons of hogs down in South Texas. And, I mean, our favorite thing to do is, you know, either a uh, like a pork loin or, you know, shred it because it shreds so well. And we would always drink it with heavy amounts of lime and, you know, a Corona, Tecate, Dos Equis, yep. any kind of those Mexican beers. And that's kind of how I've always framed it. But I also have never had it, you know, cured or hand. We we always did it shredded or smoked. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a it's a great it's a great meat to play around with as far as like what do you do? So that's that's the list. Um, I'm interested to see people's comments and takes on it. Oh, it's gonna um, be so much hate now. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. It's welcome, uh, by the way. That means you're you're listening and you're paying attention. Yeah, I think it's good though. You know, it, it's it's a it's a starting point for, I mean, it's a starting point. That's it. No, it's a huge topic and it, it's, it, you did a great job breaking down and really diving deep and you did dive deep. It's cool, man. You got a good, 
the whole light to dark thing and just, you know, going for a good baseline for each meet to start with. Yeah. And I yeah, wanted, obviously I think- you did a lot of like fleshing out with it. And I like some of the kind of the weird turns you took, you know, at first I was like, wait, I don't see that. And then you started describing, I was like, yeah, that, you know, I could the, see that. And you, so you know, that's, that's one reason I wanted to talk about it on the podcast too, is because it, you know, you can read it on paper and you can be like, Oh, that's great. Cider pheasant. Yeah. yeah I kind of yeah. see it, but it's like cider double. Like, what is that guy thinking? So, um, it's just a good opportunity to, to dive deeper. Um, it, it's a fun list. Why not? I'll play around with it. I'm going to work my way through it this year, uh, again and, and see, you know, who knows? Maybe we, maybe we put out a revised 2.0 list. What I would yeah, like, may I dare say it, we'll even hit fish next time. Maybe. Yeah. So you're it's too difficult, you're man. Oh, right. That's, get, too difficult. Get, that's a deep well, dive. Got to take one at a time. Started with the game. So I, I'm looking at, oh man, and I, I hate to do it, but I don't hate to do it, but to promise it, but I, I'm going to look at wines and maybe not like specific wines. Wines I think are as varied or more varied uh, than, um, than beers, but I just kind of want to do kind of the same thing. Like I'm not going to get super specific and it's going to be interesting to see what comes of it. I bought, I, I mean, I bought, I bit my tongue in a couple of these because in my head, all I could taste was Carlo Rossi Paisano. <laughs> <laughs> like pheasant, yeah, like wine. Like, yep, nope, keep going. Yep, okay, roasted squirrel. Okay, wine, but that's just my upbringing. Yeah, a lot no, of mine it's... went straight to whiskey. I was like, ooh, yep. you know, <laughs> good Western game hunt with a little whiskey. really compliment how does hot damn schnapps compliment that pheasant? <laughs> <laughs> the answer is excellently. Um, but you know, in the end, like, like I said earlier, I encourage people to, to just try it, like try the list, um, go through there, you know, figure out what you're going to cook, see if it works and get the beer. Or if you have beer lying around and you get a, a good harvest, like, cook it up and, and play around with it. I don't know. Experiment. It's yeah, supposed to be fun. Not definitely serious. Think, no, not at all. And definitely think when you guys are cooking too, if you're putting water in something, why not beer? Especially, you know, changing from just straight water to a lager or a pilsner can really add a lot of good flavor to whatever you're cooking. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about cooking with beer. All right. Let's Outside do it. of that. I'm a big fan of cooking with beer, uh, yep. beer, wine, and alcohol because I think it you know, after you cook off, and I say alcohol, I mean like, like your spirits. Like after you cook off the actual alcohol in it, the flavor um, left behind. The the flavor that left behind is really awesome, and I think beer lends itself well to a lot of different things. Um, yeah, it's integral it, in some recipes. Yep, soups, stews, pot pies, like batters. Oh, yeah batters mm-hmm. oh man i made i made beer battered fish tonight like there you go you can't go wrong with that get an ice cold beer in there and keep that stuff nice and chilled fries up beautiful it, it was amazing um, <laughs> a few weeks a few weeks back i took some uh, pheasant sausage and you know caramelized some onions and then i made like a, a maple bourbon sauce to go with it right over the, mm-hmm. the sausage oh it was so good i you know it adds a lot of flavor and I love cooking with spirits and beer. Yeah, and it goes without saying that wine is your friend when it comes down to breaking down all those little bits left over when you're browning up a venison steak. Mm-hmm. Shots of red wine in there and deglaze that pan. That stuff is magic. Forget A1 sauce or Worcestershire. That's what you want to be pouring over the top. Makes a nice uh, nice sauce. Yeah, pan sauce. It's good. You, you can do the same thing with beer too. You oh, yeah. know, If you had, uh, you know, you're, you're searing backstrap steaks off your venison. You can take a little bit of a uh, little bit of that stout, pour in there in the pan, and yeah. stir it around. You can even throw a little flour in there and make a nice little stout Brew. gravy. Yeah. yeah, beautiful. Yeah, stouts, Ooh, stouts with good. stew too. Anything you're going to cook for a long and slow time. That is something I do want to bring up too. If you're thinking about breaking down flavors, and that's what you're doing when you're when you're making a stew or you're making a reduction or you're having something that's going on for a long time for stock, you got to think of the end result of that. 
So that's why you peel carrots, you peel potatoes. You don't want that bitter taste in there. So if you're going for a long cook time, I would definitely avoid the beers that are high in IBUs because mm. you're going to be stuck with that bitter flavor and that's it at the end of it. That's a good, that's a good, that's a hot tip. That's a hot good tip. Call. <laughs> Just because I've done it. <laughs> I still like it, but you're like, yep, that's what that is. Uh, I'm trying to think. So I, I recommended the other day we were, we were talking about lobster tails and uh, oh, yeah. and steaming, and I was talking with somebody about adding like fruit beers into the the water to like sort of steam with, and still sort of mixed results on how it came out. And I'm gonna have to test it myself, but it, it, it can be an interesting interesting thought as well. I, will I remember give you we guys- used to do. Uh- crawfish all the time like crawfish boils and we would have Mm -hmm. like summer shandies with them oh yeah and that was always really good because you had a lot of like obviously we were throwing whole lemons in there with the cook time and so that that shanty oh so good i i will tell you though that my favorite boiled seafood beer be it crab be it shrimp be it crawfish is miller high life i think it complements the flavors so well and (laughs) You guys can. Oh, that's more of a champagne. It's the champagne it's the bubbles, beers. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'll, I'll give you guys. This is not my recipe, and I won't say whose it is because he'll kill me. He probably won't hear this, so we should be safe. So there is a Deer Camp recipe that I've been eating like my entire life. Never knew what it was, really. So again, with the tradition of I like keeping a shank for next year to make stew before I go out. Mm-hmm. Well. um, the unknown person, an unnamed person, would keep two batches of sausage for deer camp. And his recipe is you take a giant crock pot, you put a six pack of beer in it. You take a whole jar of cherry peppers that are sliced with the vinegar and everything. You put those two things in there. You slice up the sausage and you let that boil. And then on the side of that, you'd have a nice thing of chunky, thick seeded mustard, a loaf of rye bread, and sauerkraut. And you could not help yourself but keep going back and making shit on a shingle with that every time you came back in to warm up at camp when you were butchering deer. It is one of the best and worst foods you can eat at deer camp. Holy smokes, man. Yeah, that sounds good. It's a German recipe if you can't pick up on it. I I think it's interesting though you call it shit on a shingle. Cause I think shit on a shingle and I think like toast with, uh, with, with like white gravy. That is a broad term that I've heard predominantly from ex Navy people. A lot of, a lot of the old timers from camp would always say that mm-hmm. I'd make home homemade sauce, whatever else. And they'd come up with a piece of toast and be dipping it in the sauce. Shit on a shingle. And they keep walking. Like that's just the hmm. term you get thrown around. I think it's anything on toast almost can apply for it. Yeah. I wrote a great uh, recipe for meat eater. Yes, shit on did. a shingle rest. Shit on a shingle. Check it out. It's a good one. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes. But uh, how you service guys? I I was so baffled the first time I heard it. You know where I heard it, Will? Where at? The Mighty Cutter Eagle. I was like, oh, see, <laughs> was, it's not a goal. The uh the the culinary specialist on there. They found out I had a culinary background, so they're like, "Hey, come help us out!" Like in the galley, so like we were cooking for the for the officers on board at the time. I was like a officer candidate, so not quite an officer yet. But they were essentially like, "I'd like the shit on the shingle," and I was like, "Excuse me, <laughs> what was that?" What? I was Did like, "Come again?" <laughs> what, what was that? They're like. Well, um, it's like toast with gravy and sausage. And I was like, oh, okay, I can make that. So needless to say, uh, I created a venison virgin, uh, which is phenomenal. Um, I made it since then. Like my kids crush it. You put like an over easy egg t- over it. Oh, over, yeah. oh man. Yeah. Oh, of course you got to. I've had friends like write me text messages be like, this is so good. My kids <laughs> like devoured it. I'm like, it's perfect. So. Yeah, I'm a complete and utter sucker for an over easy egg pretty much in anything. Yep. Agreed. Well, guys, unfortunately, time is ticking down. And uh, I think that we have covered our beer list and beer cooking pretty pretty detailed. Yeah. Um, 
So let's go real quick. Dan, you got any last thoughts or alibis? I'll finish with a quote from Hunter S. Thompson, which is basically, good people drink good beer. Nice. <laughs> it's hard to follow up on. Uh, That's why Will. I went first. <laughs> Will, do you have a last thought or alibi? I like your list. I like how you kind of deep dove into it. And I'm definitely going to have some pairings in the future, you know, especially now that's, you know, hunting season is getting a full swing and, you know, hopefully there's going to be some alligator on the table and some fresh venison and, you know, all these different animals coming up and I'm excited to kind of experiment, you know, have to go pick up that variety six pack. Keep that Lambic locked and loaded. Right. That's right. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's coming. It's going to be a thing. I definitely, I, I'm going to start doing this, and I hope that it trails the others. I'm going to start doing uh, recommended pairings with some of the dishes I think I put out. So um, look, yeah. look look for that, uh, beer or wine or, or spirits, but something just to kind of give it a little extra volume. Yeah, man. I, 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 I try to do that too towards the end, even though you'll see a little bit of a repetitive action with IPAs and white tequila, <laughs> but... Uh, nevertheless, <laughs> those flavors do lend themselves nice, depending on what you're eating. Nice. Well, um, my last thought is this: uh, drink what makes you happy. Uh, life's too short for bad haircuts, bad coffee, and bad beer. So, um, <laughs> I'll leave it there. <laughs> Love it. But um, as always, go, go check out social media. Give us a follow. Harvest of Nature, all the major platforms, whatever podcasts platform you're listening to on uh punch that five star button what's up sandwich heads today on steve sandwich reviews we've got the tips and tricks to the best sandwich order and it all starts with this little guy right here pepsi zero sugar Partial to pastrami, craving a Cubano. Yeah, sounds delicious, but boom! Add the crisp, refreshing taste of Pepsi Zero Sugar and cue the fireworks. Lunch, dinner, or late night, it'll be a sandwich worth celebrating. Trust me, your boy's eaten a lot of sandwiches in his day, and the one thing I can say with absolute fact, every bite is better with Pepsi. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life.